This is the Black and Blue Report presented by SeatGeek. Here are your hosts, Cindy Robinson, Caroline Gonzalez, and Ashley Amos. Welcome on to the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Caroline Gonzalez. I'm Ashley Amos. And we are your hosts today for today's episode of the Black and Blue Report. Ashley, last night was a little rough, but I'm still optimistic for the Saints team. What about you? Yeah, you know, I think um, it was a little bit of a wake-up call. Mm. You know, 10 straight, and then you go into Dallas and... They kind of put the beating on you, even though the score didn't reflect that. But the Saints offense just couldn't get going, you know. And I think Drew Brees said it last night. They just felt like they could never find their rhythm. And when you shut down the run and, you know, like you we, we talked about earlier, you know, it really revealed that wide receiver when you can shut down Michael Thomas and then you're shutting down the run. It doesn't really give the Saints much option uh, or any team much option. So, um, you know, that one definitely hurts a little bit, especially being a Saints fan, losing to the Cowboys. No Saints fan likes losing to the Cowboys. But, um, you know, at at the end of the day, you have to look at it 10 and 2. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Saints are 10 and 2. Everything's still ahead of them. So um, time to 24-hour rule it, get back to the grind and – Get ready for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Absolutely. I don't know about you yesterday, but the whole game I I was nervous, but I never really lost hope. It was kind of like, well, we have Drew Brees at quarterback, so if we can just get one touchdown and then we got to 10 points, and then I was like, okay, well, we still got this. And it wasn't really until – uh, I want to say the last three minutes of the fourth quarter that I kind of was like, all right, this this might be a, a loss for the Saints. I'm going to say when when you have Drew Brees as your quarterback, there is never right. lost hope. I mean, there could be one second left on that clock, and if Drew Brees is your quarterback, I'm betting on him every time. So, you know, I think as a Saints fan, that's always this great, like, reassurance that okay you know what offense is coming on the field we have Drew Brees he's he's known in in the his history here with the New Orleans Saints to go down those two minute drives and just dismantle defenses and get the Saints back in the game or take uh take them to win the game so um you know unfortunately it didn't go his way last night but uh you know like I said you have to shake it off and move on to the next one Sure do. Well, we have a full show today. We have two guests. First guest is John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com. He's our senior writer. He was at AT AT&T Stadium last night to watch the Saints and Cowboys. Uh, Interested to hear some some of his insight. And we also have Andrew Lopez from NOLA.com and Times Begune. He gives us some some of his thoughts on the Pelicans so far and uh, his thoughts going into this two-game road trip against Miami and the Charlotte Hornets. Well, joining us now, as promised, John DeShazer. John, not quite the trip that you were expecting out of the Saints. Uh, no, no. <laughs> well, here's, here's the problem. They won, the Saints won 10 straight, and I think everyone gets a little spoiled when you see a team win 10 straight games. So you, you actually forget, I don't want to say you forget, but you kind of lose sight of what it's like for a team to lose mm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. they keep winning, they keep finding ways to win, they keep winning different ways. And then they got on a roll where they were just blowing people out of the gym. So now all of a sudden it's like not only are they going to win, but they're going to blow out the opponent. Mm-hmm. So you get a little bit spoiled, and I think you get a little bit uh, a little bit calloused to the fact that maybe another team can, can rise to the occasion and, and play them well. And, and look, Dallas played – I would say as good a defensive game against the Saints as as we've seen certainly during the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era 
and and maybe you know beyond that. I mean, Dallas really had a plan, and it's more than a plan. You got to have people who can execute the plan. Mm-hmm. You can you can want to play man to man. If your corners can't do it, then you can't do it. Yeah. But they've got the pe- people and the personnel to do it. Uh, they got two outstanding linebackers, and so they were they were the kryptonite for this offense last night. Now, would I like to see a rematch uh, in the playoffs here or Dallas? Or Arlington, not Dallas, because you know. They, <laughs> but but yeah, I'd love to see a rematch because this is the type team, uh, the Saints that figures you out. And if they get another crack at you, I, I just like to see, uh, I like to see them get another another chance at it. JD, sometimes winning can disguise uh, problems on a team. And last night, obviously, there with the loss, we saw some different things. What do you think was the most I guess problematic thing that you saw last night, something that the Saints need to work on improving or something that maybe it will be a weakness for this team moving forward. Well, I think what Alex really exposed to me was the fact that, you know, when you get beyond Michael Thomas, the Saints didn't necessarily have a receiver last night who could be impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably why they were after Des Bryant. And that's why it hurts when Ted Ginn Jr. went on injured reserve. And that's mm-hmm. why they signed Brandon Marshall. Uh, they're going to need, another guy so if a team is able to take Michael Thomas away and nobody took him away better than Dallas did last night Mm -hmm. um, they're going to have to have somebody else who can step into that void and make plays Uh, because you know Keith Kirkwood ends up catching the touchdown but I think that was the only catch he had Um, Austin Carr didn't 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 register Um, Dan Arnold made a nice play at tight end but you know again um, you know they just didn't get the production out of out of the position and it's hard. It's a, it's a big load to put on Michael Thomas. I know during the past years, you know, the glory days when it was Marcus Colson, but you also mm-hmm. had Lance Moore, and you yeah. also had Robert Meacham, and you also had Devery Henderson. So you had some guys who, if you tried to take away Marcus Colston, they could hurt you. And these guys have not proven that they can do that, at least long term. Now, they did do it against Atlanta, mm-hmm. and they did it against Philly. But you've got to be able to prove it week after week after week because the NFL is like this, okay, you showed it to them, but we've got better people than them, so show it to us. Mm-hmm. So they figured, okay, we'll take Michael Thomas away and we'll take our chances, and, and they took the chances and they rolled the dice and, and they and they won. Well, we heard Drew Brees say last night that they couldn't ever really find a rhythm last night. What made this Cowboys defense so much different than the defenses the Saints have seen before? Well, they've got two great linebackers. Mm-hmm. Um, Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith are as good a linebacker tandem as any team will have in the league. So they won't see a better linebacker tandem than that. Seems like they made every tackle. Then they had corners who can cover. Uh, they've got a really good secondary, uh, better than m- maybe most people know about and better than I thought, certainly. So they've got a really good secondary. And then, again, they can rush the passer. So they've got a lot of things defensively that will make a team good defensively. And I know earlier in the week, Drew Brees and maybe Coach Payton, I'm pretty sure Coach Payton did too, said you know they do – things that great defenses do Mm -hmm. and you know again we took it for granted because the Saints were hanging 37 a game on people so we were like yeah 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 right but when you get out there and you put it into actual practice and you see what those guys are capable of doing they can really do it defensively and all that said the Saints still had a chance they were so out of sync uh, they couldn't run the ball um at all. Mm-hmm. And and more than that, you know, they didn't have a chance, I don't think, to really try to run it that much because they were in the hole early and they were playing out of the hole and they just couldn't dedicate the time to the run that you usually can when you're even or, or when you're ahead. 
So that really threw him out of sync. And then, again, none of the receivers were getting open. So that's a deadly combination for a team offensively. Uh, fortunately for the Saints, the defense played lights out. But uh, offensively, you won't see the Saints play that bad offensively in another eight, ten years, I would think. I, no, I shouldn't say I would think. I certainly hope not. <laughs> <laughs> so, J.D., how does this change things when you look at the – NFC picture, uh, the big scheme, obviously trying to keep up with that powerful LA Rams team. How does this, from a fan base standpoint, you know, now we are a game behind. What? How does this change things for the Saints moving forward? Well, that's the thing. Now you've got to, you know, the first things first, and I know Saints fans aren't going to want to hear this, but the, the primary objective is to win your division. Mm-hmm. You win your division, you get in the playoffs, you get a home playoff game. Everything after that is kind of gravy-ish. Now, that said, you win 10 straight, so now you start thinking about, okay, what seed are we going to get? Mm-hmm. So you start thinking, okay, can you get that one seed? Can you get the two seed? You want the one, obviously, but you'll take the two because that gives you the home playoff game. That gives you the bye. And then you got to go and win on the road you know, to in the NFC Championship game if the number one seed wins. But still, you give yourself a better chance because you're playing less, uh, you're playing a home game and that kind of thing. So now Saints fans – and the Saints themselves, well, the Saints themselves probably won't look at it this way because they're looking one week at a time. But Saints fans, the best thing they can do is try to take it like the team. Look at it at one game at a time. You're still 10-2. and two. You'll still have an opportunity to soon clinch a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. And you're still really in the running for that number one seat because even though the Rams have lost one, the Saints have lost two, the Saints have the tiebreak if they end up with a, a similar record. So if you're a fan, of course, you're projecting and you're looking down the road and you're saying, hmm, that road game that the Rams play at the Bears, the mm-hmm. way the Bears play defense, that might be the one. So now you're saying, okay, well, if the Saints don't slip again, if they don't lose another game, they can get to 14-2, and two, and 14-2 and two would be a fabulous season. Mm-hmm. And who wouldn't have taken – you know, let me back up for a second. <laughs> who wouldn't have taken 10 straight wins? If you'd, opened up, if you'd have told me Week in, <laughs> in July that the Saints were going to have a 10-game winning streak mm-hmm. and be 10-2 and two after 12 games – I'd have taken that. Yeah. Who wouldn't have taken that? And you're going to get killed by the Bucks yeah. in the yeah. opening game. And might lose yeah. to Cleveland. I mean, if you just said 10-2, yeah. yeah. you don't care who, how you get 10-2. If you just said 10-2, who wouldn't have taken that? Yeah. So now you get greedy. But, you know, what you what fans should do is just concentrate on that. Look at the Saints game by game by game. You can't overlook Tampa Bay because of what Tampa Bay came in here and did in week one. Mm-hmm. And you can't overlook Tampa Bay because they got the number one offense in the league. Uh, they Put up they put up yards and points like nobody's business. Now, so you got to hope that Jameis Winston doesn't play well, and he, if you catch him on a hot streak, he can play really, really good. But you just want to isolate it. Take it one game at a time. I know it's so cliche to say, mm-hmm. but it really is the best way to do it because if you start looking ahead and projecting ahead, you'll drive yourself crazy. Just wait till the end, see where everything shakes out and hope that the Saints are the one seed. Well, I remember we were on the sideline the other day, and I can't remember what team we were blowing out. And I was like, J.D., is this it? Like, is this the team? And he goes, Ash, too early. It's too early to say that. Like, we got to get through the season a little bit. And you were exactly right. I'm telling you, I feel like, I, I feel like I've been around this team and coaches too long because now I'm, I'm kind of – I'm always one game at a time. I couldn't – I could – until – Maybe two days ago, I couldn't tell you who the Saints played next week because mm-hmm. I just didn't know. 
and then the schedule was all crazy and you know back to back Thursday games. So I was thinking like Monday was Thursday and that, <laughs> so I was all twisted up. So I'm I was thinking the day was Saturday or Sunday or something. So I'm really really messed up clockwise. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just you know you you want to take it, it. It's hard to do when you when you when you don't have any control over it. And you're looking and you're saying, okay, how can this team get here and how can it get there? And you want to project everything. But the best way to do it is just try to take it one game at a time because, you know, just when you assume the Rams are going to win this weekend, mm-hmm. I think they got a tough game. And I can't, maybe it's Detroit or something. I can't remember who they're playing on the road. I'm not sure but there is a possibility every week that somebody can jump up and get you. Mm-hmm. So you just, you bet the best thing to do is look Sunday to Sunday. Can't eat the cheese. Yeah. yeah don't eat the cheese. God forbid. J.D., I don't want to let you go without talking about the Saints secondary. They remain 30th in the league in passing defense. It's it's something that we don't want to talk about, but we kind of have to talk about because, like you said, you're kind of greedy at this point. We're top 10 in a lot of statistical categories, but where the Saints secondary seems to be lacking a little bit. What can change moving forward for the Saints defense? Well, here's there's a byproduct of why they're 30th. You're number one against the run, so you're taking away the run. And even last night against Dallas, they took away the one run. Um, Dallas got 100 yards, but they, it took them 31 carries to do it. Mm-hmm. So you take away the run, well, the opponent's going to throw it. They're going to throw it. And so the more they throw it, the more chances of success in getting yards uh, they're going to have. What you have to look, look at defensively, the only stat that really matters is the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. When you give up 13 like they did last night in Dallas, you should win that game. Defense played well enough to win that game. Uh, when this defense gives up, I would say between 20, 23 points, they should, this team should win that game because this offense is fully capable of scoring 27, 30 every game. So those are the, that's, those are the numbers that I really look at. The secondary numbers are hard uh, because of teams throwing a little bit more because the Saints are stopping to run. And look, let, now let's not sugarcoat it, though. They had a lot of trouble at that left cornerback slot, first with Ken Crawley, and then they went to P.J. Uh, PJ Williams, and P.J. had to go inside because Patrick Robinson got hurt, and now they have Eli Apple, and Eli Apple did not have one of his better games Thursday night. Mm-hmm. <laughs> had three penalties, and two of them were declined. Uh, so he had some struggles out there. But the way the NFL is now and the way the games are officiated, it's going to be hard to stop people when they're throwing the ball. Um, you can't be handsy. In that secondary, what you want to do mostly is just keep them out of the end zone. Make them use as many plays as possible to get down the field because that gives them more opportunities to mess up, and then maybe you can take advantage of it. J.D., I think it's time to break out that good old to-do list of things that you have to do at home because you have nine days where you don't have to travel for the Saints or the Pelicans. I mean, what are you going to do with all your free time? We got nine I got nine days home. Nine I days. Did not know, but we still got games in between, so it, <laughs> so it really isn't, you know, it's home, but – I don't know. You know, the wife's out of town, so, I, you know, party over here. I guess I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to be doing with myself besides uh, I'll get some sleep today. I know that. And that's pretty much it. J.D., one last thing. You know, I know Saints fans hate losing to the Cowboys. And as a Saints fan, it's one of my least favorite teams to lose to. But going back to 2009, when the Saints were hot, Super Bowl year, the first team they lost to that year was? Dallas. So, hey, maybe maybe a little good luck. Knock on wood. Yeah, look, yeah. the two longest winning streaks in franchise history, Dallas in, in, has ended both of them. The first time the Saints went to the Super Bowl. So we'll, we'll take the end result. If it, you know, if it takes that to get to the Super Bowl, we'll take that. 
Love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, JD, thank you for joining us today, and hopefully you enjoy your few days at home. No problem at all. I'll get some sleep, I hope. Huge thank you to John DeShazer, who got off the flight last night at 2.30 in the morning, said he didn't get in bed until 4 a.m., so eternally grateful to John DeShazer for coming in. I know it was a long night here at the Oshner Sports Performance Center doing the Saints postgame show presented by Verizon. But, Ashley, where did you watch the game last night? Um, so, you know, you and I both know uh, a, a wonderful friend of both the Pelicans and Saints organization, uh, Pelican sideline reporter for Fox Sports New Orleans, uh, Jennifer Hale, a uh, great dear friend of mine. Um, she has uh, a nonprofit organization. She started about, I believe, five years, four or five years ago, uh, called Signline Pass. And so last night was our annual toy drive for that. So basically we had a watch party. We hosted it over at Canal Place downtown. Uh, the people at Canal Place were gracious enough to uh, donate their space to us. And uh, we had a bunch of different food ven- vendors uh, that came out. And uh, all a mission was a toy. So you all you had to do was bring an unwrapped toy. Anybody could walk in. And there was silent auction. Uh, Santa made an appearance. You could get your photo with Santa uh, and then of course we had the game on so uh, it was a, a great event uh, that this event is something that's really grown over the past four years I was there at year one when they were doing it outside on the little mini patio outside of Ruth Chris and now it takes up the whole uh, first floor of the Canal Place Mall so it's um you know she's Jen has done a wonderful job and it's an organization made up of amazing women uh, talented women career women uh and I'm just honored to be a part of it. And so uh, it was a great, great thing. And also, you know, it was technically the kickoff uh, to our t- toy drive, which will be going on all month. So if you didn't get to make it last night, Caroline, I know you had work. Mm-hmm. Um, you can still go on uh, sidelinepass.org and uh, donate a toy. They also have Amazon wish list uh, specifically for kids who have gone on there and asked for a specific toy. Um, but these toys will be donated all across Louisiana to different foster homes boys and girls well that's awesome for a great cause no child should wake up on christmas morning without something to unwrap and this is a a great way to provide that for them well will we see jen on the sidelines this weekend oh you will she actually um she was flying out this morning to head to miami to join the pelicans so she has a rough schedule i tell (laughs) you i think and i believe she she also does nfl on fox and so i know that she i i think she's flying out to after this game to go to her NFL game. I don't know who she has. I think she mentioned someone over. Um, some team somewhere. Some some team that's cold, I okay. think. So, um, but yeah, so she'll be going to the warm beaches of Miami to uh, the cold tundra wherever in the northeast somewhere, I believe. So. That's a that's a tough suitca- suitcase to pack. Well, Ashley, uh, we have Andrew Lopez on coming on from NOLA.com and the Times begin to talk to us today about this road trip for the Pelicans. Andrew, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. Hope. Uh, how are you doing? I'm. I'm pretty good. I mean, rough uh, night last night, but you know, fairly decent. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think. I think most 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 of our listeners here are going to be coming off a bad night, but hey, I mean, it's still still a good day today. Yeah, I mean, the Pelicans can grab this win tonight against the Miami Heat, and that'll just turn the whole city around. Yeah, every everybody will be happy now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, the Pelicans head to Miami for this two-game road trip. They they play uh, Miami Heat tonight at 7 p.m., and then they'll go to the Charlotte Hornets. But tonight, um, 
obviously against the Miami Heat. The big question is, will Tim Frazier continue to play at point guard? We saw a big outcome from him, obviously his first uh, double-double with the team. Um, what do you think tonight will look like for the Pelicans starting lineup? Yeah, you would have to think that Tim Frazier is going to get the nod again, especially after the way he played the other night, 12 points, 12 assists, 6 rebounds, and I think in 37 minutes. Uh, and that was the key number to me was the 37 minutes. He, he never really, Gentry never really pulled him, never, he kind of let him play. Um, the, the kind of, the weird part to me was when he did pull all the starters, they still needed a point guard with Frank Jackson out, so Tim Frazier also had to play with the, the sub there at the end of the game, but uh, you, you'd have to think that he's going to play again, he's going to start again. Uh, Drew Holiday basically told everybody the other night, you know, get me off the ball, uh, so it, it, when he can, when t- all Tim Frazier needs to do is really is, is just keep this offense going and keep it going on the same path. And I think that is the way uh, Gentry envisions it. And having Drew off the ball, you know, is is, is a plus. Yeah, the Pelicans had 26 fast break points, which is the amount they had in the previous three games combined. And I think the biggest difference that I've noticed with Tim Frazier is um, that on the outlet passes, he catches the ball so far up the court. It's either on the free throw line or on the three-point line, and then he just kind of takes off. And I think that um, is good for the Pelicans because it forces everyone else to run ahead of him. And you heard Gentry say the other day, don't wait for everyone else, just go. Yeah, I think it was Drew maybe who said, uh, you know, sometimes he's he's going too fast. Like we we have to just catch up to him. Mm-hmm. But that's what Gentry wants. Gentry wants you to have to catch up to your point guard. Right. Um, he he does have a different gear. He 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 brings it to another level. And I, I think maybe it threw the Wizards off a little bit. I mean, even though they saw, they I mean they they know Tim Frazier as well as anybody uh, in the NBA right now. You know, that's where he was last year. He played with those guys. And it still seemed to kind of catch them off guard. So uh, if he could do that against a team that basically knew how he played, uh, I think it's going to still be, be something that's, that's going to be a positive for them. And also, anytime you can get Drew playing off the ball where he, where he wants to be, he doesn't want to be on the ball, he seems to get more motivated. And you saw that in the way he started the, the first half. I mean, the, the first quarter of the night, I think he had 14 points in the first quarter, six of eight shooting. Um, and it allowed AD to kind of just rest back and when, when AD had to pounce, that's when AD pounced. He scored 16 in the third quarter. And I think, you know, you don't, you don't need both of those guys trying to, you know, score 15 in a, in a quarter at the same time. Let them, let them each have their moment. That's kind of what you saw the other night. Absolutely. And Andrew, for our casual fan, I just kind of want to touch on this whole getting Drew Holiday off the ball thing because I don't think a a lot of people, well, if you've watched basketball, you understand what that means. But for for a casual fan, what does that mean to get Drew Holiday off the ball and to get him more uh, in his more comfortable position at the guard position? Yeah, so you you have your point guard and your shooting guard, and and Drew is is more comfortable uh, as the shooting guard. for his entire career, he's been listed as a point guard until he got to even his first few years in New Orleans. Uh, he was listed as a point guard. But when you go back and you really look at uh, how those teams played, he was the point guard, but he still played a lot of his minutes as a two. It means he's not the guy bringing the ball up. He's not the guy always setting up the offense uh, to where you know somebody else is doing it. You go back and look at his, his time in Philly, uh, you're like, oh, that's that's what he was in Philly. That's what he was when he, you know, was an all-star, which is 
true, but he also had a lot of other different guys helping him uh, bring the ball up in those situations. You go back and look, uh, you had Andre Iguodala, you had Evan Turner, you had other guys to take the, the scoring burden, or the, the, the bring the ball up burden off of him. You had Lou Williams at the time mm-hmm. um, when he was in Philly. Uh, when he first came to the Pelicans, you know, you had uh, you know Tyreek Evans and other guys. So you, he was not the, always the primary ball handler. In this stretch well, now, when you didn't have Alfred Payton and you were kind of not putting Tim Frazier in the lineup, uh, Drew had to bring the ball up every time. He had to make every decision. Um, then go out and guard, you know, the other team's best player and try to get, you know, handle the scoring burden. So none of it really worked, but now you can kind of see his workload is up. He's averaging a career-best 20.1 points a game, mm-hmm. uh, a career-high 8.9 assists, but he needs to uh, have less of the decision-making burden mm-hmm. off of him because that's also why he's averaging a career-high uh, four turnovers right now. Absolutely. Another player on this Pelicans roster who's averaging 21 points per game is Julius Randle. Um, I think he's been a huge uh, consistency for the Pelicans, and he's just one of those guys that seems to come in and just do his job. He's he's a dominant presence inside. He's ste- he stepped up when AD was out. Um, what's something that you've seen from Julius Randle uh, that kind of has taken you by surprise? Just uh... – how how much he just puts his head down and just goes to the goal. I mean, I know that's part of his game, but uh, that is a lot of his game is just bullying his way into the paint uh, time and time again. I think he, you know his first thirty six minutes. You you look at those, and the only guy averaging more points per thirty six is Anthony Davis on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only guy, and he's right there in rebounding. He is a, you know a, a true uh, six man of the year threat in. in as they continue to bring him off this bench, I do like that they bring him off the bench. I think Nico is better in that starting lineup um, next to to AD. Uh, Julius fits with that bench unit. He he again can help uh, with the not having Drew Holiday there or, or having Tim Frazier. He can help with the ball handling on the second unit, and you know he's just been a, a force. And I think he is, uh, you know, been one of the you know the Pelicans' most valuable players this year. Uh, even though he's coming off the bench. Absolutely. Andrew, I don't want to let you go without touching a little bit on this uh, Miami Heat, on this road trip, especially against Miami Heat tonight. Uh, Josh Richardson, Dwayne Wade playing exceptionally for the Heat. Uh, Dwayne Wade seems to be back to his 06 self a little bit. Uh, He's been the leading scorer for the the Heat the last two games. Uh, What do you think that means for the Pelicans' defense tonight? You know, it's going to be interesting to watch because uh, we kind of have talked about the fact that, you know, the Pelicans are dealing with injuries at the point guard position. And so, so is Miami right now. Goran Dragic, Tyler Johnson, both guys who could run the point guards to the spot, uh, both out. I think Deion Waiters is out again. So they're really kind of starting two shooting guards uh, at the guard spot in Wayne Ellington and Josh Richardson. And that'll, that'll be interesting to kind of watch how, the, how that offense flows right now. They have lost six out of seven, I think. Um, so Tim Fraser should have a significant – speed advantage whenever he's on the floor. He's going to have that most nights anyway, don't get me wrong. Uh, but it definitely should come into play tonight uh, when they play the when they do play the Heat. And, you know, I'm just I'm just hoping that the Heat wear those Miami Vice jerseys, the, those <laughs> black ones. I mean, those, 
those are so nice. I just wish they would change their whole color scheme to the the the, the vice look with the, the the blue, the pink, and the black. I think that's the best look in the NBA right now. I completely agree. I really like the whole floor change they did too. I think it would be cool if the Pelicans did that as well, but who knows if that'll happen? But uh, I agree with the whole Miami Vice uh, theme. Oh yeah, definitely the best look. And, and you know, you you might have more pull than me to get a you know a Mardi Gras court. So oh, I'll yeah. let you uh, I'll let you work on that one. Absolutely, yeah. I'll I'll push it up the ranks. Um, yeah. Andrew, uh, about this these the Charlotte Hornets team, we're going to see a player that we haven't seen yet this year, and uh, that I'm pretty excited about, and Tony Allen. Uh, excuse me, not Tony Allen, Tony, Tony Parker. I was, uh, whoa, flashback yeah. to uh, Pelicans at the beginning of the season last year. But uh, Tony Parker for the Charlotte Hornets, uh, what do you expect to see out of him and the Charlotte Hornet team? It's going to be so weird. It like, is. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I'm prepared to see, <laughs> uh, to see him in a, in a Hornets jersey. Kind of breaks um, your heart a little bit, doesn't about- it? Yeah, I know. It's going to be weird. The thing about the Hornets this year, I think they're one of the the only teams in the league that they have started the the same starting five every game this season. Wow. Um, You know, you you compare that to the Pelicans, and the Pelicans, I think, have run out eight starting lineups this year. I think the the league best, I think, is ten so far. So, uh, amazing consistency from from the Hornets, and that's why they're 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 eleven and ten. And there's another game that they play before they'll play uh, the Pels on Sunday. Um, for four o'clock tip, local. So make sure you, you know, the sun's out. You get to watch Pelicans basketball. But uh, you know, Tony's Tony's been a good addition to that team. Uh, he's been a nice, steadying uh, veteran presence on that on on that roster. But uh, you know, the, the the main guy there is, is Kemba Walker. He's mm-hmm. he's who makes them go. He had a sixty point game earlier this year. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited to watch him. When you know, it's going to be kind of funny when you go from not playing any point guards when you play Miami because everybody's going to be hurt mm-hmm. playing, you know, one of the best in the game in Kemba Walker and one of the, the most savvy in the game, uh, you know, in Tony Parker when he comes off the bench. Absolutely. Well, we look forward to it. Thank you, Andrew, for joining us. You can follow Andrew at underscore Andrew underscore Lopez on Twitter and read his articles on NOLA.com for the times Picayune. Andrew, again, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. All right. Thanks. Andrew is a great follow on Twitter, so make sure you follow him on Twitter. Thanks again to him for joining us on today's show. Pelicans fans, make sure you watch the Pelicans tonight at the Miami Heat and American Airlines Arena at 7 p.m. tip-off on Fox Sports New Orleans. They'll have Pelicans pregame report with Jen Hale as we were speaking about at 6.30 p.m. Um, and then the rest of the broadcast at 7 p.m. for tip-off. You can also listen on WRNO with our own Daniel Salerson and Sean Kelly. They'll have the report for y'all. And then moving on to Sunday, the Pelicans will travel to Charlotte to take on the Hornets at 4 p.m. in the Spectrum Center. um, You can also watch the game on Fox Sports New Orleans and listen in on WRNO 99.5 FM. Also, reminder that the game is at 4 p.m. I know I said it, but... I just want to drill it in everyone's head. It is at 4 p.m. You can watch the Panthers and Buccaneers uh, kick off at noon and then do get some food in your system and then turn on the Pelicans game at 4 p.m. Ashley, we have a full palette of Pelicans games for Pelicans fans this weekend. Hey, listen, the Pelicans are back on track with that win at home over the Wizards. So I'm looking forward to see uh, this, you know, Miami Heat team, 11th in the East. This should be a game that the Pelicans should win and need to win to get above 500. 
As always, thanks to our Saints and Pelicans fans for listening to today's episode of the Black and Blue Report. Full weekend ahead, full of football and Pelicans basketball, so make sure you tune in on Fox Sports New Orleans. For Ashley Amos and Caroline Gonzalez, that's all for today's episode of the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week.